all these gifts and why these bikes keep coming in. Somebody asked me this morning if I was going to ride a bike while I preached. And um, no, but I was thinking you could build a wicked ramp right off of this thing and jump it. Um, I have a bunch of scars on my legs from doing that as a kid. I don't think I want to find out what it would feel like as an adult. Um, we uh, continue our, our series this morning, For Unto Us Is Given. And, and if you're new here today or this is your first Sunday in, um, with us or maybe in a few weeks, each week what we're doing is we're recognizing that before we celebrate the gifts that we give, this season and, and Christmas is about celebrating the gift that we've been given. And that's the words of Isaiah the prophet, for unto us is given a child. And, and the words of the angels, for unto you is born. It's a recognition that God has, has given us something in the gift of Jesus. And so each week we've looked at, at what those gifts mean for us. And so we've talked about hope and we've talked about peace. And, and today we talk about love. I know it doesn't line up clean with the candles because we lit the candle of joy. We're actually going to do joy on Christmas Eve. But tonight we're going to talk about the gift of love uh, that we have received in Jesus Christ. And, and what we've done is each week we've kind of seen the story through the lens of one of the participants in in the narrative of the birth of Jesus. The first week, we, we looked and we talked about Mary and her response to this word of, of Gabriel that she was going to be a mother, and not just a mother, but the, the mother to this Son of God, and, and what her responsiveness teaches us about, about finding hope. And last week, we looked um, at Ruth, and even though she's not part of the nativity story, She's a part of the line of, of Jesus, the line of David, the line of Jesus. And, and we see wonderful parallels in her story to what God does in the birth of Christ. And so we talked about peace. And so as we talk about love today, we're going to look at shepherds and the shepherd. That's really what we're going to do. We're going to look at, at the, the inclusion of the shepherds into the narrative, into the story of the birth of Jesus. Uh, the, one of the characters that we're familiar with, that we're used to seeing a part of those dramas and reenactments. reenactments. What do we learn from the shepherds? And so we're going to start with the gospel in Luke chapter 2. And we're going to pick it up at verse 8. And actually, this is right where we left off last week. And in verse 8, we, we're coming round on the heels of the birth of Jesus and now the invitation of these witnesses. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, 
which were just as they had been told. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, that this story would stir us to praise. This story would stir us to a greater understanding of of your love and and to deeper worship and, and connection to you through your Holy Spirit. In these moments, Lord, bless the words that are spoken and bless our openness to receive them through the power of Christ at work in our lives. For it is in his name we pray. Amen. So, as I said, we, we turn today to the inclusion or the, the, a deeper look at a part of the story that's familiar to us, which is the shepherds coming to the, to the nativity, the, the shepherds coming to the, to the stable to, to worship and to bear witness to, the, to what the angels had told them and to the birth of Jesus. But I don't know how much we really think about the shepherds, how much we really know about the reality of what it, what it meant to be a shepherd. Because we tend to have a very sanitized view of shepherds. When we see the nativity done often by kids, you know, shepherds are all, they're in their clean bathrobes and they've got their, you know, their sticks and they're coming to bow down and worship Jesus. Or even in our living nativity, we've got our, our young people out there and they're, they're, they're good looking kids and they're well kept and they bathe before they come and they look good out there, right? And so we have a very sanitized image of shepherds, but that wasn't the reality of what it meant to be a shepherd in the time of Jesus. In fact, most of us, I think, have never actually seen shepherds unless we've traveled to another country. They're not, you know, I was saying out loud at the 815 service that I don't know if we, you know, there's any part of the, the United States where we actually find shepherds. And a few people have come and said, yeah, there are some places you still find shepherds. But most of us haven't seen it. At least I haven't. And, and so we don't have a, a mental image of that. But, but I was listening to, to another pastor talk about shepherds. And he made an interesting um, kind of connection. And he said, we may not see shepherds, but we see almost a modern-day equivalency. And that's people who are homeless. Now, that sounds like a pretty stark contrast or um, um, comparison, I should say. But he was saying, think about it. Shepherds slept out in the open fields. They had no roof over their head. They slept, they didn't have a home. They were nomadic. They went place to place because to t- keep their flocks, they had to, um, to, to find new places to graze because she- sheep tear up the, the land. They tear up the grass. And, and so you've got to constantly be on the move. And in the Middle East, in Israel, there is not an abundance of green spaces. So they don't have a home. And they were actually, they were not allowed in the temple. They were kept at arm's length because they were ceremonially unclean, because of their work with animals. And so they weren't allowed. They couldn't proclaim. One of the powers of the story is that they go away proclaiming the birth of Jesus. They proclaim and they're praising God and worshiping. They weren't actually allowed to do that in the temple because of their profession. And you could tell a shepherd was near you. Not just by seeing them, but you would smell them. Because, again, they, they didn't have showers and baths, so they're out and, and they're, they're working with the animals and, and they very often didn't have 
great personal hygiene and probably, you know, some of the things that we would kind of associate with, with not taking care of yourself in the ways that, that we often do. And so all of these things are true. And, and the fact that it was not, little boys and little girls didn't grow up dreaming about being shepherds. So, so all of these things kept them kind of on the periphery of, of society. Many ways the way that, that we collectively as a, as a people often kind of keep folks who are homeless at arm's length. I mean, look, I'm not the only one that's pretended before I'm sitting at a red light that I don't see the person trying to get my attention. You know, they weren't seen. And so when we begin to understand that, I think we read the story a little differently. I do anyway. Because here's how I normally read verse 9. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But when I begin to understand who shepherds were, and how they were seen, and how they were viewed, and how they were on the periphery or the outside of the, inner, the circles of society, I read that a little differently. This is how I read it when I think deeper. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. See, it, it's a little different. Because the story's meant to have a little bit of a scandal to it. It's meant for us to, to hear it and go, of all the people, in all the places... At all the times that the angel could have appeared, God sent the angel to them. And there's a gospel lesson here. Luke stresses this throughout both Luke and Acts. What we get right at the very beginning of the life of Jesus, right at his birth, is this, this fundamental truth that this gospel is for everyone. And do you not know that in an instant that these shepherds realized this is for us too? Why do you think they were so excited to go see this child? Because they'd been included in a way that they generally were not included in anything. The shepherds remind us that not only are we given the invitation, but the people that, let's be honest, that sometimes we don't want to see, they're invited to. They're invited to. And so it's this wonderful encompassing net for all people that this gospel story and the story of Jesus is proclaimed. And so the angels step in and they say, for unto us, or for unto you is born this child. This is for you. And in doing so, they fulfill a prophecy from Isaiah. There was, a, there, was a, there was a foreshadowing of this event that Isaiah spoke, and we go to Isaiah often in the uh, prophecy for the coming of Jesus, but, but they kind of live into something that Isaiah had foretold hundreds of years before. And it starts in Isaiah, for the verses I'm going to read are in Isaiah chapter 40, and it starts at verse 10. And this is what it says to us right there. It says, actually, if you go back, let me step back one verse. Verse 9, it says, You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift up and do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. 
Now, right at the beginning, it says, you who bring good news to Zion. The Hebrew word has a equivalency in the Greek that means gospel. It means gospel. Bring the gospel to the people. And what this verse is saying is there will be a proclamation to the towns of Judah, here is your God. And what we get in the coming of the angels to the shepherds is the fulfillment of that. The angels are saying, here is your God. Here is your God. And is living very much into this prophecy that Isaiah would speak. And then Isaiah goes in the next two verses, and he gives a description, two words to describe this redeemer. Two words to describe this promised one that is coming to you. And the first is this. In verse 10, he says, see, the sovereign Lord comes with power. The first word is he describes this redeemer as sovereign Lord. Now that is the combination of two Hebrew words. The first word is Adonai. Adonai is a word that is always used to describe God, and it describes the power of God. It is the the mighty power of God the the redemptive power of God, the transcendent power of God, Adonai speaks to this God of of power and might. The second word of Sovereign Lord is Yahweh. And Yahweh speaks to the intimate, personal nature of God. It speaks to the the connected and the the, um, presence of God of God in, in a very intimate and personal way. So, so Isaiah takes these two words, Adonai and Yahweh, and he puts them together to speak to the very nature of the God who will come, who is both transcendent and connected, who is both powerful and personal. The one who's with a mighty arm can deliver, but with a tender heart blesses and touches and reaches. And so it gives this image and, and, the, and the listener and, and would have understood the power of these two words coming together. So Isaiah says, this one who is coming is the sovereign Lord. And he goes on there to say, and he rules with a mighty arm, Adonai, and his reward is with him and his recompense, his blessing, his blessing for you comes with him, accompanies him. So you see the characteristic of the Adonai and the Yahweh here in the description of the coming one as the sovereign Lord. Then, in verse 11, he uses the second description. And he says this, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He tends his flock like a shepherd. And he gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. Sovereign Lord and shepherd. Now, Hear this, the the pronouncement of the birth of Jesus is not just for the shepherds. The pronouncement is of the one who is very much like a shepherd. And when we begin to go deep into what that looks like, what that characteristic means for us, we begin to see the qualities of and the character of the love of God. When we begin to understand a little bit deeper of what it means to say he is our shepherd we begin to understand what the love of God looks like for us. Because the love of God is both sacrificial and protective. The love of God is sacrificial and protective. Let's talk about sacrificial. Isaiah says, 
he is like a shepherd. Jesus, in John chapter 10, would say numerous times, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And he talks about, he uses this in the early part of the gospel, the chapter there, John 10. He says that anyone who comes into the family of God comes through me. I am the gate. That's what he says. I am the gate. And you've got to understand the principle and the nature of what a shepherd did to understand what Jesus is saying when he says, I'm a gate. Because it speaks to this sacrificial nature of the love of God. Because for a shepherd, again, they were nomadic. They were moving place to place. And at night, in order to keep the flock safe, you had to contain them. You had to get them together in a, in a, in a location where they could be watched over, where they wouldn't wander away. So a shepherd would make a makeshift pen using rocks or, or you know, whatever kind of uh, materials they could find to, to pen them in. But it's not like they carried a, a, a mobile gate with them. So you would have an entry and an exit to this pen. How do you block the sheep in? The shepherd would lay at the gate. The shepherd would be the gate. But it wasn't just to keep the sheep in, but it was to keep the predators out. The shepherd would say, basically, if a wolf or a bear or a lion is going to get to these sheep, it has to go through me, because I will be the gate. Jesus says, I'm, I'm the gate. I'm the gate. I'm the one that lays my life down for the sheep. This points to that sacrificial nature of God's love that we see in fulfillment on the cross. We see it referenced at the very beginning of the gospel, and we see it referenced through the inclusion of, sh- of the shepherds. And we see Jesus talk about it. And we would see it fulfilled when the shepherd would lay down his life for a sheep. The shepherds, the, God, the nature of God's love is that it is sacrificial. And it's protective. It is protective, and not of some, but of all. Isaiah says that he gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. That's how Isaiah describes the shepherd. Well, what's the nature of a lamb? Well, a lamb certainly is a, is a young sheep, but a lamb is a vulnerable member of the flock, right? A lamb can't keep up. A lamb can, has the risk of being left behind. A lamb is a prime target for a predator. A, la- a lamb sometimes is outside the, the protective boundaries of the, the movement of the herd together. Jesus shows us, and, and Isaiah tells us, that this shepherd lets nobody get left behind. That this shepherd gathers the vulnerable, the young, the old, the broken, the hurting, and holds them close so that they are protected so that they are nurtured, so that they are safe. I don't know about you, but we tend not to think of ourselves as vulnerable, but we all have moments of vulnerability. We tend not to think of ourselves as the weak link, but we all have moments when we feel weak. And what the protective nature of God's love tells us, what the shepherd image reminds us, is this shepherd does not leave us behind, does not forsake us, does not forget us, but gathers us, protects us, nurtures us, carries us so that we can know the safety and the protection of the shepherd who ultimately and profoundly and deeply loves us. So he protects and he 
watches over. And the other nature of the protective love of God is that he leads. He leads us. Jesus says that the sheep know my voice. And, and I don't know if you've ever kind of paid attention or watched anything. Maybe you, you've seen firsthand shepherds at work. But the image that I most often have when I think about shepherds herding their, their flocks of sheep is uh, the image of them driving the sheep. You know, kind of pushing from, the sheep dogs. You've all seen videos of sheep dogs working and how they, they kind of rein in the sheep and they nip at the heels to make sure that the sheep move where they need to move and get where they need to go. Even if the sheep don't want to go that way, that's where they're going. That's the job of the sheep dog. Get them where they need to go regardless of if they want to go there. But in the Middle East, shepherding looks a little different. Shepherds in the Middle East are more gentle. They don't lead by drive or they don't move by driving they, they move by leading. They get in front of the sheep. And the sheep follow because they know the voice. Now, I found a video on YouTube as I was doing my kind of pulling on threads and, and just trying to learn things this week. And I came across this video. I don't even know where in the world it was shot because it was a language I didn't know. But you didn't have to know the language to get the point. And it was, it was a shepherd or a farmer, and he had this big pen of sheep, maybe 30 or so sheep in this pen. And he had people with him. And he was inviting them to go to the edge of the pen and to call the sheep. And so you would see the first person went, this, this young woman stepped up and she went to, and she started calling out to the sheep. I don't know what she was saying, but she was calling to the sheep. And they paid her no attention. And they were on the other side of the pen. They were eating. They never flinched. They never moved. They never, like they couldn't, like a child being, being instructed by a parent they don't want to hear, right? You know, I, just, I don't hear you. I'm doing my own thing. That's what, that's what it looked like. And so the second person stepped up, and he did the same thing, and the sheep didn't move. And the third person stepped up, and this just pattern repeats itself. And each time they'd call, and the sheep never paid any attention. And then the shepherd stepped up. And the shepherd called, and it was remarkable. All of a sudden, you see these heads of sheep just pop up. You know, just. And in a moment, as they processed what they're hearing, they began to run toward the shepherd because they knew his voice. Jesus tells us, My sheep know my voice. That my, my sheep know that, that my heart and my call and my word and, and God's word to us is meant to protect us. God's word to us instructs us and, and helps shape us in, in behaviors and, and practices that, that are meant to protect us, not to rein us in, but to put us in the environments where we can thrive and flourish in the intended way that, that God has called for us. God never wants to, 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 um, to restrict us, but, but God's intention is to liberate us, to truly live, to, to have the life in abundance that he promises and to know his voice so that we would know in our moments when we are the lambs of the flock, unable to keep up, struggling, feeling behind and left out, that he gathers us in his arms and carries us. The nature of God's love is that it is both sacrificial and it is protective. And when we begin to understand that, we begin to understand and to feel and to experience the power of how God works. Because that's what God does in our lives. When we have the faith to see it. I was 
20, 25 years ago. And it was in the last stages of, of my mom's illness, her, da- her battle with cancer. And I was in that place where externally you're holding it together, right? And internally you're dying. You're falling apart. And, and so I was in a place of worship. I was among friends. And in the power and the experience of the, the moment, the um, external facade crumbled. And the brokenness came out. And the tears poured. And I remember standing there. And in that moment, two of my best friends came. And they stood next to me. Tim on my right, Mark on my left. And they just put their arms around me. That's all they did. Didn't say anything. They just put their arms around me. And I will tell you, friends, that in that moment, I didn't just feel the arms of Tim and Mark. But I felt the arms of Jesus saying to me, I haven't forgotten you. I know it's hard, but I'm here. Feeling the arms of the shepherd that gathers his lambs and holds them close because I was not keeping up. That's, that's what God does. That's what the love of God looks like that embraces us in those moments. And friends, oh, if we just have the eyes to see, the hearts to know, we experience in so many power, powerful and profound ways that embrace of God. We experience that love of God like two friends just putting their arms around us. And then God uses us to do that for others. It's always a two-way street. As we get, and God will open us to the opportunities, we can be that arm, that hand, that word, that hug, that, that becomes the embrace of Jesus. That's what the love of God looks like. A shepherd that will not leave any of his sheep behind. As we journey together through this Advent season, we worship the one who is sovereign Lord, both transcendent and intimate, powerful and personal. I pray that we would know that love powerfully and profoundly, that we would let it take hold of us and that we would share it with others. That's what the gift of Jesus looks like, given to the, to the shepherds from the one who is the good shepherd. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, that we would know that embrace of your love. Oh, that you so long to gather us and to hold us close and to remind us that you are with us. In those moments when we just can't keep up. That's what the love of a shepherd is. That's what the love of Jesus looks like. Help us to know it. Help us to share it. And as we experience this holy season together, change us with a personal knowledge of your powerful and ever-present love. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Friends, I invite you now to stand as we close with our hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. <laughs>